You're listening to Dead Set Podcasting with your host, Josh Liston. This is a show dedicated to podcasting in Australia, New Zealand and Southeast Asia. Follow along with today's episode over at deadsetpodcasting.com. Okay, here we go. I wanted to talk a little bit about the conference, but first, let me ask you this. What is it about the CD Baby DIY Musician podcast and maybe the audio format? I know you guys are moving into video, but I'm assuming primarily most of the audience is still audio. Yeah, it is. What is it about that particular format that you think has really touched people and kept them listening like myself? I'm not even actively in the music business. I'm just jamming with a band, but I listen every week. What is it about your show specifically, but also the medium in general that you think has really grabbed people over the years? Well, I mean, one of the things that I've always loved about podcasting is it's long form. I don't listen to pod, like some people would say, you should do a five minute podcast. It's like, that's not one I'm going to be interested in. So I'm not going to do that or a 10 minute one. All the podcasts I listen to, like I look at them and go, if it's not 20 minutes, because I want to. <laughs> Hallelujah. We agree. A lot of people don't agree with us there, but I'm 100% on board with that. <laughs> We're right. They're wrong. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and here's why, because the reason I loved podcasts from the beginning is it got into real deep details. I can get all that surface level stuff off a blog article. I want people to get into the real depth of conversation, things that only come out after you've talked through things for a bit. So to me, that's why when I listen to podcasts, um, you know, some of the podcasts I listen to go on for two hours or more. That doesn't mean I sit and listen to it all in one sitting. I'll just, every time I get in the car, I hit play again, you know, and yeah. keep going. So I feel like we get really in-depth into some things, specifically with artists, because artists, there's so many music business, I always call them music business talking heads, where they're like giving advice, and it's like, I can tell you've never been an artist before. And it sounds very like flippant and like too easy and ignores the realities of what it's really like to do it. So I think one of the things that people, they say to me all the time is that it feels like real people who are really doing this, who have good experience and that are just down to earth people and want to have a conversation about it. Where oftentimes in the music business, you get this, this weird split between the business side and the artist where the business people act or tend to act like they know everything. Mm. And if the, if the dumb artists would just get their act together, then maybe they'd make <laughs> something happen. Yeah, it's the it's and the artist's like, fault. <laughs> yeah, and you're like, you have no idea what I go through just to get this project to the finish line, much less put it out to the world. Mm. So I think the fact that we acknowledge that and are very open and honest about our experiences, people really connect with. Our audience connects with it because, uh, like at our conference that we just had, somebody came up to us. You know, we get all these people saying, you know, thank you for the podcast, and he's like, you guys make me feel seen. And that's one of the other things with making music is oftentimes you're doing it alone. Even if you're in a band, it's like a lot of times the people, your friends and family around you don't understand what it's like to be an artist. And so the fact that we provide that connection of like, here's what it's really like. It's okay that sometimes you don't want to write a song or feel like you may never write a song again. We all go through that. And that's what the experience is like. So I think we really tap into the idea of, the artist experience in a way that where a lot of music business shows just go on and on about do this, do this, do this, and it all happened. And if you would just work harder, work harder, work harder. And it's like, you know, I already said that sometimes with music, 
there's magic. You can have the best album ever. And this happens all across the industry through the span of time since there's been a music industry. The best album ever that just doesn't connect. And then maybe years later, people find it and go, why didn't this album connect? This is the best thing ever. It's So there's a lot of mystery to it and acknowledging that, that it's not just formulaic. We're not making widgets <laughs> We're then mm. on a shelf and people buy when they need a widget. It's something special that has to connect at that human level. You're listening to Dead Set Podcasting. And for that, you're a Dead Set legend. If you wanted to show some support to the show, either in dollars or shares or positive vibes even, just head over to deadsetpodcasting.com slash support and show Josh some love. Alrighty, let's get back to the podcast. I guess I'll just share, since you just shared so honestly, <laughs> what your thoughts were, Kevin. I'll share with you why I think I still love it. You're the, on- the, you're the only show that I've ever come across that talks about music, that understands that not every song comes with intention behind it and not every song comes from a positive place. Some people generate music as a release for negativity, which Mm -hmm. is hard to market and it's also exhausting. But once it's out, you've made the product to release something that's going on in your world or within the world of your band or, you know, the, the wider world. So you may have some music that you wrote with the intention of putting on an album or doing something with, and then there's other songs that you wrote for yourself for whatever that reason is. And both of those things are okay. And a lot of the talking head people that you're talking about would see that as an anthema. That you yes. should, why are you writing something for no reason? Why would you ever put energy into that? You should be marketing and doing TikTok, not writing a song that you're not yes. going to do anything with. And you're one of the few shows I think that I could p- put an idea like that too that would actually understand what I'm talking about. Yeah. And I think you're probably right because that's one of the things like the business world likes to look at it as product and as an artist, it's expression. Yeah. And the fact that anyone listens to it and, and it becomes product is just a bonus. Because I didn't pick up a guitar to create a product. If I wanted to make money, there's much better ways to do it than playing music. Yeah, yeah. I want to make money doing music, but if my only intention was to make money, I should have been a banker because they seem to always make out with tons of money. Whether everyone else does or doesn't. So just with the, the conference, the DIY Musician Conference, it's been going for a few years and you guys have weathered the storm of the last couple of years as well. And you just had your first in-person conference, I think, in a couple of years. So, do you think that the conference would exist the way that it does, if not for the podcast? No, I don't. And, and in fact, that's one of the things that kept, that sort of gave the podcast new life. So, the you know, we'd had the podcast going for many years. And my boss at the time said, let's start an artist conference. And... The timing was right because like there had been some long-standing artist conferences that had kind of fallen by the wayside, I think lost relevance because they really catered to the bigger industry and didn't really focus on the indie artist experience that was that's been exploding over the last, you know, 10 years. So, we did it a, a couple, you know, year 1 and what kind of surprised me is how many people came up to me and said, "Oh, I love the podcast." I'm like, "Oh, wow." And then it was 
like year two or year three that my boss was doing an intro on stage and he said, how many are you of you in this room are here because of the DIY musician podcast? And like a third of the room raised their hand and, you know, there's like a thousand people in the room was like, holy crap. Wow. This was, you know, with podcasting, you know, the hard thing is it's like, you can tell that people are listening, but how many people are taking action on behalf of, you know, like the company I work for because of what you're doing. And that was the first real visible representation of like, wow, this is more powerful than I realized. Mm. And I need, and that's where I started, probably drove a few more like format refinements. I wouldn't necessarily changes, but refinements just because realizing, hey, you know, I haven't been really doing shout outs about our company (laughs) and you're telling people, you know, it really has been like very ad light, I would say. Incredibly, yeah. I work, you know, I work for a company that has competitors in the marketplace, but I don't go on and on about, you should use this. It, it's really just meant to be a, a resource for artists, no matter who they use, because we want to be about helping artists. So that was really staggering to see. But also, I think as the years went on and understanding why that, and, you know, somebody said at this last conference, which was amazing, that the the CD Baby DIY Musician Conference has heart because you guys have heart. And that's was something that was pretty cool to have someone verbalize uh, to us because it's like, yeah, they, they're getting it. They see the difference. Yeah. It's the only conference. I mean, I'm not even actively in the music business, but two things. It's the only conference that I would leave Australia to go to at the moment. Yeah. Because some of the other conferences that were potential targets for me, for lack of a better term, to travel to from a different part of the world have had some issues lately and I'm probably not going to ever support that, but in a completely different field. But yeah, yeah, I would actually, even though I'm not actively a musician and I have no intention of really pursuing that beyond playing for my own benefit at yeah. home just to keep my chops up and have fun, yeah, it's still something I would go to because I want to be part of whatever you guys experienced, particularly at this last conference because it sounded yeah. like it was just a magic experience that like I remember, I think recently you said you couldn't quite describe it, but you and Chris tried your best to how special it was. Yeah, it was really special. And I think it was a combination of a couple of things. It, it had been three years since our last conference. And for, you know, we had the global pandemic and that was hard for everybody, no matter where you were. But it was especially hard for people in certain fields and, and the creative field, especially musicians, was one because when you shut down events, you shut down people gathering music goes, you know, music is a very community driven experience for a lot of people, especially with the live show, you know, it's not necessarily community driven if you're just sitting listening to your favorite music at home. But for artists, that's one of the things we love. We love being together. We love playing. We love doing shows. And that was taken away from us. So I think there was that element that people were just like so excited to be back together. And also, like I already mentioned, for artists, it's challenging because most of the people in your life don't get it. They don't understand. It's like, when are you going to get a real job? And uh, when are you going to stop screwing around? You know, (laughs) it's time to move on from that. And we've all heard that. And so when you're together with like-minded people like that and having gone through everything we've gone through in the last few years, it just created a very special environment and the content was just so dang good. It was, it exceeded my expectations. It became my favorite conference we've done yet. That's amazing. And what I love 
and why it's appealing to come at some point in the future to the conference is that you guys care about what's happening on the stage, where I hear a lot of other conferences where everyone that talks about it, they're like, I don't even go to any of the sessions. They don't matter. I just hang out in the hallways. That's where the real action is. That's how, A, I know they're purely a business person. But also, why would you hold a conference where the sessions aren't so valuable that people are debating with themselves which one to go to? Like, it should always be, oh, if there's this and there's this, they both sound amazing. It's a hard choice. Whereas your conference just seems like that's just part of the deal that you're curating and putting these people through an incredibly tight filter of, is this actually valuable to people? Yeah, and also, when we started our conference, it was also... For me, it was a reaction to a lot of things that were happening in the, uh, like I, I mentioned that because of the podcast, I get asked to speak at a lot of different conferences. And what always frustrated me, especially at some of the bigger ones, is how people would show up unprepared, people that were on panels or speaking. It's like they didn't care about giving anything of real concrete value to the people. They weren't there to like help them grow. A lot of times they were just doing it for a free badge and or they would say just stupid stuff that wasn't helpful, that was obvious. And I'm like, no, we want to provide real value and just really like understanding who our client is and deliver that value to them. So that was one of the things that was very important. Also for us, we wanted to get more diverse voices there because at that time at a music conference, everyone, it would almost be all white men speaking, but also, you'd, never, you'd rarely ever see an artist on stage speaking, no matter what they looked like. I mean, yeah. it was just yeah. background. It was always like the music business, again, needs artists, and yet they always talk about artists as if they're a secondary factor. And that, to me, is like, we got to flip that around. Yeah, exactly. And I'm happy that you're doing it. So just I want to ask two things about the podcast just to finish up, Kevin. And this is just my personal feeling is that sometimes – I like the vibe that you and Chris have so much that whenever you say now we're going to go to calls or emails, I always feel like this tiny little moment, a pinch of, oh, no. (laughs) But then they're always so great. And I'm assuming you're cutting the times down on some of the calls so they're a manageable length and maybe rewording the emails so they're more concise. But there's always that moment of, oh, no, the guys are going away here for a minute. But then your community is so great that it reminds me that, oh, these are going to be cool, and they always are cool. It's just when normally when other shows do that, it's like, oh, well, we're not getting the guys here now. You know, the people on the show, whoever they happen to be, we're about to hear someone else. How much do you include audience feedback on a show, in your opinion? Because there are people like me that maybe, for the lack of a better term, don't like that as much as just hearing the hosts on the show talk. There's got to be a, a balance in there, I'm assuming. Yeah, and to address one thing you said we don't edit the calls. Okay. Uh, use a Google voicemail box. Oh, that's because they always run out of time, don't they? <laughs> yeah, that only allows three minutes. So if they don't do it quickly, it's it's done. Yeah. And the emails, I usually don't edit either because I I don't I don't want to misrepresent somebody in a in a way. But that the I I thought I usually try to have a couple calls and a couple emails. We're usually lacking for them. It's it's usually okay. like feast. And like, I'll get a bunch of calls and a bunch of emails and I can only select a few or I'll have one or maybe none. Uh, But to me, the reason why I like them in there is because I want people to feel like this isn't us talking at them, that they're a part of this as well. And and so to me, 
we've had some pretty hilarious interactions that have actually gone out into the real world because of some of the calls <laughs> and, and the th- the stories that people have brought up. And, and so I like, I like including it because, but I, I, you know, I do see your point of like that there is this chemistry that we've built and when you bring other people in or throw it to something else, it can feel like something different. Yeah, and I guess the reason I bring it up is that if I wrote that to Kevin, and this is maybe, I set that up maybe more as something for people to consider, and I said that, only the host and the co-host in this case truly understand the reason why they're doing something on a podcast and how it might not appeal to everyone, but it might appeal to a completely different audience of people. There are people listening to shows that want to feel like, oh, these guys embrace their audience, regardless yeah. if they're asking the same question that's been asked a dozen times or it's something fresh or they call in on a broken tin can. You guys, <laughs> as the hosts, embrace the audience. And maybe it's not for Josh, even yeah. though I do enjoy those quite a bit once I get over the initial couple of seconds of, oh, gosh, this is happening. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's not every part of your show has to be for every person. Yeah, actually, that's a good point. And that's something I had to learn early on because we used to get uh, one of the pieces of negative feedback we would get was because so like today we we actually recorded an episode today about TikTok uh, and promoting your music on TikTok. I always open the show and then Chris and I will banter back and forth. It usually lasts about five to six minutes if we're got interesting things going on it might hit 10 minutes before we hit the topic and we'll get we got some feedback from people like i wish you guys would just get into the topic and stop chit-chatting but i actually talked to a lot of people that would come up to me at the conference or by email and stuff like hey should we cut this should we cut this banter because i had a specific reason for it we weren't just doing it because we were being sloppy the whole point of it was that chris and i are artists too I want anyone listening to the podcast to understand that we're coming from this as a place like we're in this with you, the listener. And this is the, th- so usually that banter is like, hey, I'm working on my band's in the studio recording. Here's some interesting things that happened. Um, and Chris, Mike, oh yeah, I'm working on this project. I did this ad campaign and for my release and it worked really well. And we don't go into massive detail, but really for me, it's like, this is just trying to set the stage that we have some authority and connection to the place of the audience. But I asked people, should I cut this? Like people that love the show and they're like, no, that's one of my favorite parts because I feel mm-hmm. like I get to know who you guys are. So I kept that in there and I, and I had to come to that conclusion that, you know what? Not every segment's for everybody. And if somebody's so impatient that they can't wade through three minutes of the host talking about relative information, relevant information or that relates to the podcast, maybe our show isn't for them either. Uh, mm. But I have, you know, I do listen to a lot of podcasts. So I have heard the podcast where they're rambling about unrelated stuff for 15 minutes. You're like, can you at least talk about something related to the topic and yeah. yourself? And I don't, I don't care about the restaurants you went to over the weekend. It's like, uh, but we, we, it's always related to our experience as artists. So people understand this is to give some authority of who we are and where we're coming from. Exactly. And it's a good way for you guys to, introduce little successes, for example, that you might have had during the week if the topic is mostly about things that have failed because for the lack of a better term, 
you don't just want to be seen as a failure porn music podcast, which, I mean, everyone wants to hear about failures and part of it's that, yeah, I can't remember the German word schadenfreude or whatever they call it, where you want to hear or see people failing. Not everything can be that. So I think it's a great balance because if you guys are going to talk about something that might be seen as a negative, like I remember when that crowdfunding platform that will remain unnamed kind of collapsed, you guys stayed away from it a little bit more than other people talking about it. But the general yeah. mood of the industry around that time was pretty negative in the independent space. And I remember the episodes you guys were doing, you were mostly talking, or at least in the intros, about things that were generally positive. Yeah, Like, there's this big thing happening, and that's all negative, but we had a tiny little win here this week. Yeah, I, for us, it's really just the idea of, like, the, a statement of we identify with you, the listener, because we're doing the same things. We're in the trenches trying the same things. We don't have it all figured out. We have some successes, and we're going to celebrate those here because we hope as podcast listeners in our audience that you'll find it interesting and 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 sort of feel empowered by it as well like again we're, they're not just the music business talking heads telling us to go do something and not trying it themselves this episode was edited by dead set podcasting if you want your podcast to sound this good, check out deadsetpodcasting.com forward slash services. Get the sound you're chasing. So people can find the podcast at podcast.cdbaby.com. And for yourself, Kevin, I think it's at kbruner on Twitter and Instagram. You seem to have two different kinds of things going on there. You're an Instagram fan from memory, aren't you, from memory? I spend most of my time and, you know, the podcast is on all the podcast sites. It's on Spotify, Apple, all the apps and Amazon. And so, yeah, love for people to check it out. And, you know, if, you know, this is a show about podcasting, uh, there, they might enjoy going through time and hearing how it's evolved and, you know. Excellent. Well, thank you, sir. It's really great to meet you. I know well, I've been following you some way online, whether listening to you or actually on social for well over a decade now. So it's always that magical moment when you realize someone's a real human. So <laughs> yeah, I am real. Yes. Although I feel like I've been in this room for like three years straight now. But yeah, you uh, need to get out of yes. there. You've been saying that a little bit too often that you feel trapped in that room. So <laughs> exactly. But well, I appreciate being on the show and hopefully our paths will cross soon. And Hopefully I can make it down to Australia again sometime soon. Yes, we did love when you came here. I remember hearing all about that. You had a fl an influx of Instagram messages for the first time, apparently, when you came down here. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> yes, it was it was a good trip. Excellent. Well, thank you, Kevin. It's from CD Baby DIY Musician Podcast. Thank you for all that you do. Thank you. Thanks for having me. <laughs>